Welcome to Wisco Dies. Welcome to Wisco Dies. Hey, yo, folks, it's your host, the Conzy with the Most. I am here in Guggenstelf Studios coming at you with this episode of Wisco Dice. I have been joined by my illustrious and wonderful co-host, the one, the only, the Stark Raving Mad himself. How's it going, Brian? Yo, yo, yo. Uh, pretty amazing, I guess, now that my finals ended last week. So. <laughs> that must mean you're getting getting back into hobby and gaming mode again, huh? Yeah, kind of. Trying to figure out where I'm at. Like, I'm actually scratching on some of my mana figures at the moment. I don't know why I got the kick mark on them, but I've had them forever, and I almost have them all built, finally. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. But, I don't know. I guess there's Mark Three coming out. I have no clue about that, but maybe it'll kind of level the playing field, and I can get back into it a little easier, possibly. But Also, I worked on my health action stuff the other day, so and I've been playing quite a bit of X-Wing lately, too, so that's been a lot of fun. So. I actually painted up... Uh, I've been running some the new X-Wings, the T-70s, and I painted up one of them to be like Poe. It's almost done, like Poe in the black and orange one. And like right after I started doing that, uh, Fantasy Flight's actually putting out the Poe Dameron X-Wing, so <laughs> I'm not sure when it's coming out yet, but I think mine looks a little fancier than the one they're going to put out, but oh well. Well, very cool, Thanks very cool. I have it painted by myself. And then also, maybe can scratch up some Age of Sigmar sometime soon here, too. Down at the store that we hadn't met before, so kind of coordinated with them. It sounds like some people are going to be out next Monday night, so maybe that'll start rolling again. And I'm pretty excited for anything and everything the summer can bring for gaming, so. It's been a pretty dry spill at the end of the semester here. I, I hear you. I'm just finally getting back into that ramped up gaming and hobby mode. Uh, so I've been doing a lot myself. Uh, so I've got, uh, obviously I've got Blood in the Sun I'm kind of ramping up for, uh, which I've signed up for two events. Uh, one is the two-day Ninth Age GT, and second of all is the uh, Infinity uh, Narrative event that they've got Friday. So uh, on top of that, I'm, I've told them that I could run a Saturday bolt-action event. Actually, it could be Friday night as well. It depends on where they slot me, but it has to be after. Obviously, since I'm playing in the Infinity Narrative, it would have to be after that. And Well, hey, I'd like to eat a little bit or something and maybe um, relax for a second, so I'm really hoping they book it for Saturday night. But, yeah, so it's going to be a – that'll be a busy weekend for me, but I've got a lot of little projects and stuff I've been, I need to wrap up and, and work on and – not being single anymore uh, and, and having to deal with uh, children, uh, particularly a really young one, um, I'm realizing really quick that I don't have the kind of hobby time that I used to, coupled with working out and taking care of the yard work because it's getting to be summertime here in Wisconsin. And Oh, good Lord. It's just run, 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 go, go, go. A lot of stuff. But, uh... Yeah, on the on the hobby table, I've been working on my uh, Infinity stuff for the most part. Uh, Pan Oceana, I've probably got four or five hundred points in models now. Almost got the entire starter box fully painted, and then I've actually started painting up stuff. 
I've got a list built for the Infinity Narrative that requires me to paint like uh, 12 figures, and I've got six of them done now. So it's about halfway there. Uh, in the meantime, I'm also, uh, I also looked around and did a lot of research on Infinity, and, uh, and now that I've got probably a half dozen or more games under my belt, and realized that Pano, I like them, they're fun, they're, they're really cool for action, I really like the way they look, miniatures on the table, um, but I, I, uh, I, I haven't been fully rewarded with the play style, and a lot of people, in fact, one of the guys that are, is a regular at Pegasus Games, and we play at Pegasus Games on Thursday nights, by the way, folks. So if you're in Madison, make sure you stop out and play. Check us out and play uh, some Infinity. I don't want to, you know, with two, two panel players right in our local meta, it just didn't make sense to keep playing Pan Oceana. So I, I'm going to keep them, and I'm going to keep working on them. And like I said, I'll have 12 figures I'll have for uh, the Infinity Narrative at... At Blood in the Sun, but I'm going to do uh, Combined Army, which is, if you don't know anything about Infinity, is a uh, probably the the bad guy faction. They are a EI is the Enhanced Intelligence that's got its own agenda. Basically, it's kind of like if you think about the Borg in Star Trek, um, where the EI basically encounters races, evaluates the race, and determines if it has Anything that it can use to enhance its being and, and, and knowledge base. And if not, it just eliminates it. And if it does, it will assume it and bring it under its fold and, and, and make it basically a subservient faction that it will bring one day to uh, an advanced state of being along with it. Uh, so... Um, they're they're kind of, they're effectively the bad guys in Infinity. They are they are the most alien, most technically advanced race as far as in usage of bots and remotes and all sorts of little technological type stuff. So it's kind of a cool faction. Really, really will allow me to have a lot of flexibility in the painting palette. Just have something really interesting. And the best thing about painting these Infinity figures for me yeah. has been after doing all of the historicals I've been doing for the most part. The last year or so, you know, with the Soviets and the Germans before them, is that I get to use colors in my painting palette that I haven't used in ages, like purples and blues, and oh my! So that's been a lot of fun. I was wondering how, like, I forget how to some bright colors or something strange like that and see how that'd be receptive. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how how that would really be received in the in the historical type nature uh, bolt action arena I mean bolt actions uh, in uh, as far as historical wargaming is concerned is is pretty progressive already but uh you know that's part of part of what I've I've enjoyed about that was doing all the historical research and trying to paint things and make them look authentic but it does tend when you when you paint things as military organizations would actually operate, which is very drab and like camouflaged and and bland patterns and mass produced uh, commercial uh, uniforms and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's a very bland palette. Makes for a quick paint job. Though. 
Generally speaking, yeah, because it's, you know, a couple of paints, a wash, you're done. Like, my Germans were exactly that. I I airbrushed them all gray, and then I and then I painted the straps a dark gray and the helmet a dark gray and and uh, picked out a little green and brown and, and washed them with a black wash and then picked out the flesh tones and and the browns and painted that with a black wash and done. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did on my Americans, too. I was thinking about doing some kind of showcase block post to my four side together since they're all done. That'd be a great blog post, and I think people like to see it. So I was, uh, saw a fan of ours posted on our, our Facebook group, which uh, uh, has moved to now being a closed group. Uh, a lot of a lot of people like to keep the fact that they're uh, a gamer and and uh, kind of private, and not out there in the open with where people can see it. So Wisco Dice, the our our Facebook group has moved to a closed group. So if you uh, wanted to discuss things, whether it's Bolt Action Infinity, uh, Warhammer, Ninth Age, whatever it might be, now you can post there and ask your questions or interact with us without having to necessarily fear uh, your your friends seeing it. But I, I did see, on um, getting back to what I saw, I one of the fans of the show kind of comment that uh, they really wanted to hear us talk more about Bolt Action uh, and Ninth Age, uh, which we're actually going to talk about on this episode, kind of the magic segue uh, into uh, what the main topic of this show is about. So we did play, uh, this This episode's going to focus on uh, Ninth Age, which is a, a fan-generated, effectively, version of the Warhammer rule set, or at least it's a almost like a continuation of 8th Ad. Um, it, it, uh, it, so if you played Warhammer prior to Age of Sigmar, that's exactly what Ninth Age is. And we happen to uh, get a great interview for later in this show where we're going to talk and introduce you guys to what Ninth Age is um, with uh Fergus, who is the gentleman who ran the Adepticon Ninth Age events for the most part. I think he ran um uh, was one of the head organizers or whatnot for all of those events. Um he's also I believe running the Ninth Age events at Blood and the Sun. So um he's kind of evolved into that ter- tournament organizer and a, and a fairly big tournament organizer in the Midwest here, the Chicago land area in particular, uh for Ninth Age. So it'll be a nice can nice kind of talk with him to kind of introduce you guys to Ninth Age, um, as well as some of our plans for this podcast and what we're going to do to talk about Ninth Age. So that'll hopefully make at least one fan out there very happy. Uh, uh, Brian, we got to play a game of Ninth Age, so you've got a little bit of experience, at least from a one-game experience uh, playing it. Um, so can you what, what do you what can you tell us about what you played and what you're kind of uh, experience was with Ninth Age, Ninth Age so far? Uh, well, I guess I can say my experience was actually pretty fun. Um, uh, we just played that one game. I brought out my Tomb Kings. As I don't know why I've had kind of a strong feel for them lately, so it seemed like a good opportunity to put them on the table to give you a game. I think you were kind of starting to practice for Blood in the Sun Ninth Age as well. And I kind of glanced through the rules. Like you said, it's very similar to 8th edition, so there's just kind of some minor changes. 
Yeah. That, that's exactly what I've found so far is that the, uh, well, one, I looked at when I first, one of the first books I looked at was the Tomb King. So I put all that effort into that Tomb King army for, for Ninth Age. So I, I looked at the, I think they call it Undying Dynasties in, in uh, the Ninth Age. Uh, and, uh, yeah, everything's been kind of renamed. They've had attorneys kind of look at things to try to validate where they have to deviate from, from, uh, I, you know, what would be potentially Games Workshop IP to try to keep it legal and stuff. Um, it's, it's when you look at it, if you've played 8th Ed or almost any version of Warhammer over the years, it's basically that, um, with some, some clear exceptions. It's, uh, in my opinion, almost the game that I wish Games Workshop would have put out um, instead of putting out Age of Sigmar. But uh, people like Age of Sigmar too. It's a good game, so I'm not com- I'm not here to to, to badmouth that. And I actually enjoy Age of Sigmar as well. I'm really excited for some of the new stuff that's coming out for Age of Sigmar, the competition uh, type rules and stuff that they potentially are going to come out with as well as the new Warhammer Quest, which is basically an Age of Sigmar-themed game. I'm super excited, actually, for that one. I'm going to probably pick that up. As far as the Ninth Age, yeah, I've gotten two games now in. Um, the hardest thing has been trying to line up and find people to play, you know, that are interested still in getting out their square-based models here locally and giving it a try to, to basically help get me some practice and or figure out what it is that I want to take to Blood in the Sun this year. As far as an army, I've got some army options here to be able to take. So um, I've been playing with the Dwarves, uh, so I've got two games with them, and I've been really playing it with the attitude of being able to push them forward. They're so much more mobile than they used to be um, in any previous edition because they the big, big change that they made to Dwarves is that uh, when a dwarf marches, it can march not two times, you know, two times their basic movement f- speed, but three times. They're basically the only race that can do that. So all of a sudden, I'm marching nine inches, which makes the infantry actually real, you know, slightly faster than a move four infantry at the march, um, which means you can you can kind of get up field, you can get into battle uh, a little bit faster. You can actually play a quasi-offensive dwarven infantry army, which is kind of cool. Uh, a lot of other little tweaks that made it, you know, advantageous. They're no longer, I mean, it's it's really nice to see the approach because they're not writing rules to try to sell models. They're writing rules to try to produce a balanced game. Um, so you're not, you're seeing where, you know, you might have a, a common unit, like a basic dwarf warrior. Well, how do I make that in the core slot um, balanced with... Uh, Longbeards, you know, the effectively Longbeards, I don't know what they call them exactly in Ninth Age, but the, the Longbeard equivalent, you know, um, it was in Eighth Ed, I remember looking at Warriors and going, I never want to take these things. They're, they're not, other than a points difference, there, there's no reason to take them over, over having to pay that core tax and, well, I'll take Longbeards because they actually can do something on the table. Yeah, you never really saw them on the table because of things like that. And now, well, you take them one, you got spears as an option, which you never had before. But also, you can, uh, if you take a Thane, they get an extra rank of supporting attacks. So I'm like, wow, that, now I take a Thane, which I didn't necessarily see Thanes other than BSBs, uh, which will give that dwarf unit a little bit of extra combat power. 
And then you give them, you know, basic dwarf warriors. They get an extra rank of supporting attack. You so you take that thane with a unit of great weapon warriors. Like that unit's gonna hit like a hammer. So yeah, it's uh, that part's cool. I'm really I'm really digging Ninth Age. I don't know how much I'm gonna play it after bits, but that's probably more to do with just not having enough people here locally than Madison that are interested, but if uh, I'm still, I think I'm going to try to coordinate a game or two here and there, uh, whether it's with you, Brian, or, or with other people as, as they're interested, uh, because it was super nostalgic just to be able to push around those those uh, big rank and file units and, and get out the old movement trays again and and see that, that aesthetic of game that we loved and what we've played i know i've played for probably the last for miniatures wargaming for probably the past nearly 15 years um yeah i'm pretty close then that was a really good feel yeah especially especially you know we've been the two of us we've been playing warhammer almost every week for the past what four or five years really um, before Age of Sigmar got released. You were pretty close to it. You backed off a little bit during the school year, but... Alright, so with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say let's go ahead and take a break. And uh, when we come back from the break, we'll go ahead and, and start our interview with... my interview with Fergus, and we'll talk a lot about Ninth Age and that one, and introduce you guys to uh, Ninth Age. I've been joined by Fergus, who's a great friend of mine and been around in the wargaming scene for quite a long time, particularly the Warhammer Fantasy side. I've had a great pleasure of, I think, playing against you at least once. Yes. We've been at my events. Uh, it's been a really good time to be around you. And, of course, after hours, you're you're always kind of the guy to hang around. <laughs> well, I am infamous for that part, I guess. <laughs> so <Except> for my gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... So tell me a little bit about yourself, Fergus. How did you get involved in Ninth Age? Well, first of all, Cozy, thanks for having me on the show to talk about Ninth Age. I think, you know, thinking about Ninth Age, we've got to get the word out about it, and word of mouth is the way to go about it. In terms of myself and my involvement, I got involved in Ninth Age uh, after the last, as and I completed uh, WCW Throwdown this past November. To be perfectly honest, I didn't look at any new game system during the summer uh, news of you know Warhammer being discontinued all the way to our event because I was just concentrating on making sure that our tournament, the last tournament of 8th edition, went extremely smooth. I actually started getting involved with 9th Age uh, around January of this year uh, when I was preparing myself for Siege of the Tower uh, GT in Ohio. Okay, that sounds cool. So you mentioned something there that I don't know if our fans are a whole lot of familiar with. Um, probably some of them are are not, and that was the WCW uh, GT that you ran. Uh, that was a two day event, and 
if I remember right, and was one of the last or one of the near the last 8th Ed Warhammer Fantasy GTs. It was, was yeah. We had the event in the first weekend of November, and actually been, it actually was the last 8th edition GT, and we kind of signed off an era, really, at our event. So it's kind of come full circle here, going from 8th to a brand new time period in uh, tabletop gaming. Yeah, totally. So what can you tell us about this ninth age? What is it exactly? Just a little background be- behind it all. When the news broke last summer about Games Workshop ending 33-year run of what we all love, Warhammer, basically the lads out in uh, Sweden, the Swedish comp guys, they started working on a comp system for a, an 8.5 version. Uh, around the same time, the uh, European Team Championship, or better known as the ETC, were also working on a similar task. And what ended up happening was these two European powerhouses kind of collaborated with each other and started working on a new edition of Warhammer. And one update led to making more adjustments. Before they knew it, they said, to hell with it. We'll just start this from scratch. So Ninth Age is actually a new game built upon the ashes of 8th edition Warhammer. Many of the mechanics that we all love about 8th edition Warhammer is incorporated into, you know, Ninth Age. So, but the Ninth Age uh, developers kind of, recognized these facts and kind of highlighted in their, you know, big rule book in blue the changes that they made from 8th edition BR, the big rule book to 9th age. So basically former Warhammer players can skim through 9th age's BRB book and uh, find the changes between the two games. Very cool. I definitely know that in the couple of games that I've played now that when in doubt, I don't know what the rule is. I just revert back to the, rather than spending hours looking up stuff in the books or trying to find things in a PDF. I just revert to my knowledge of 8th Ed, which I was surprised uh, how much of it I remembered. (laughs) (laughs) I guess uh, 15-ish or years of of Warhammer doesn't doesn't go away after a year of not playing. No, no. It's almost like getting back on a bicycle. It's that kind of a game. And the one thing I will say about their BRB book, they have taken so much time in chronologically breaking down things that if you have I mean all the gray areas that were in all the Warhammer books or editions and stuff like that they've all been pretty much eliminated it is clearly black and white there's case in point for every particular situation that comes up in a game I mean from a TO perspective it is so easy to run a tournament because literally the BRB book handles all the questions and disputes well I, I think that comes from the fact that it was written by these kind of what did we come to known as ruling bodies in the tournament scene for comps and event styles and stuff like that. Most people know, I think people that listen to this show uh, at least know what the ETC is and what that impact is on the community. And we were fortunate enough to have uh, Wisconsin Boy Meal go a couple of years ago to the American basically version of that. The, the ATC, yeah, yeah, the American Team Championship. It's really good to see a lot of that kind of thought and process go into this version of the game. From my perspective, I'm certainly not an expert in Ninth Age anyway. It's why we we brought you on. So <laughs> you kind of highlighted what's new in the in Ninth Age already, but why would somebody really want to play this game rather than digging up their old Eighth Edge rule books or moving on to another war game like a lot of us have? Well, I mean, the nice thing about Ninth Age, right off the bat, I mean, one of the things that we always wanted, and they were so close at doing it, was having every army book updated. 
the nice thing about these guys did is they updated all the army books simultaneously. So there's all the power levels have kind of really balanced out, not only externally between one army versus the other army, but also internally. I think one of the greatest things that happened was that every model in your book has a purpose now. I mean, how many times have you sat there, looked over on your collection and say, those sword masters, for example, there's no use to them. They're, they're just a glass cannon. But they've spent so much time working on every every unit within the book to make it useful. And with that, basically what happens is that you go to a tournament, and I've been to two tournaments. I've hosted one. Every army list is practically different. Like, And it's, it's amazing to see how many different ways you can make a list with all the tools within each army book. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. Um, I, I'm kind of curious to see how the meta maybe settles out a little bit, but it's definitely uh, a game that's so much closer to what we played in 8th, in my opinion, that people are maybe playing with things that they wouldn't have played with in 8th because they can now. Or, you know, a lot of us had huge model collections, so we have all these figures that we can just play with that we weren't maybe putting on the table like we, we can now in our ninth Age games. So that's exciting. It is exciting. Like for me, for example, I had a bunch of models uh, on spruces, and I'm actually taking them off their spruces and, you know, clean them up and get them ready to be painted. I mean, I... I've never used Shadow Warriors before, I and I'm just using the old names. Sisters, I never used them as well. Because the problem with 8th edition, there was auto-includes. I mean, you had your Frost Phoenixes, your, your, your certain characters, all that stuff. With Ninth Age, there is no auto-include. Units that used to be so overpowering in 8th edition Warhammer have been toned down to the point where, like, and I get it, I mean... If you used to be a power gamer that just brought nothing but rotten, tough lists, that doesn't work anymore at Ninth Age. I mean, you literally have to be skillful at the game, which leads to my next point, that the game is more strategic now. You can't rely on broken lists or combinations, you know, to lead you to victory, you know. You have to play the game. The movement phase is important. The, you know, what you do in the magic phase, you know, which is another thing, magic phase was also toned down. I mean, how many times have you played Conzi where you're, you have your opponent in the bag and all of a sudden he whips out a, one of those big boy spells and turns the game around and destroys everything on your side? And you're like, what the hell happened? I don't know how many times it happened to me, but having played Tomb Kings for <laughs> quite a while and whipping out a Purple Sun late in the game several yeah. times to pull to snake back a hard loss to a draw or sometimes a minor win... Because let's face it, I was playing Tomb Kings, and you never got major victories. <laughs> it was something that, uh, it was almost the one crux that I could use in that army to try to put me on some kind of, like, quasi-competitive level with everybody else. And I'll be honest with you, like, I bought a, a Tomb King army off of a buddy, Rick Fisher, for, like, $600. And I'm not going to lie, I am so excited for their new army book. Um, have you even looked at the new army book, like the full-on army book on their website? Yeah, I did. I actually printed it out for uh, Brian when we had, because me and him had a, a game a couple of weekends ago in my garage where he played Tomb Kings and I played uh, Dwarves, because that's kind of what I was thinking about like, taking for bits. And my yeah. God, those Tomb Kings stomped me. They just stomped me. Yeah, but like the, the books themselves are so artful. It's, and there's so much in-depth in it. I mean, I, I can't wait for all that stuff. And, and talking about dwarves, I mean, look at dwarves now. I mean, you, how many times you played dwarves and it kind of sucked because you had no magic phase. You had to rely heavily on your shooting phase. You, you hardly were able to move. Now you have triple march. 
because I mean the reason behind that was because you guys have such great endurance. You got a bunch of bounce spells now, so making your guys useful again. The anvils are useful because they have bounce spells as well. Oh my god! Yeah, you so. can definitely punch out the bounce spells with the the list. Uh, I really like the fact that uh, just little tweaks like being able to, when the dwarves march instead of marching. Uh, a double move, they march a triple move, so now they're more mobile as a force. You don't have to just go into turtle mode because that's the way they play best competitively. Right. Uh, I really like the adjustments. Playing cannons seem much more fair and balanced. And at least I don't feel like, oh, hey, I pointed my cannon at you. I didn't have to do anything. I rolled the dice, and now take it off. I, I, don't, I, I still haven't had that feel. Yeah, yeah, my first game in Ninth Age, it took two cannonballs, and I got two lucky dice. I got two lucky to hit rolls on a giant, and managed to get pop six wounds on a giant. But that's the odds of that. It was like a hitting on fours, wounding on twos, and then doing three wounds with each. Uh, it's a D three plus one cannonballs, doing three Correct. wounds with each cannon. Yeah, that's not statistically average particular scenario my me and my opponent both recognized it and it was still a very tactical game and it was still very you know, using the terrain and using the units on the board much differently than i was in uh, a previous versions of warhammer at least right. for the dwarves and the nice thing about what you just mentioned was like and that just builds onto monsters so now you get to see monsters on the board again because before i mean cannons just point and click i mean it's it was like losing 250 points to your opponent just because he showed up at the board with a cannon. So, like, you know, now you got monsters on the board again. You got, obviously, you can keep your artillery on the board. You know, infantry has a useful now, or very useful now, in fact. Uh, guys with spears. I mean, eventually, they have armor piercing six against cavalry units. I mean, there's just so many little tweaks they made that. At the end of the day, you have an extremely balanced game. That, and, and that's what I think makes me, uh, myself, most excited for Ninth Age. What makes you most excited about this game, this Ninth Age version of Fantasy Battles? I think we kind of hit on a, a couple of my favorite parts of it. But the, like, my favorite part is that the guys are still coming out to the to Ninth Age tournaments. I mean, we have a ton of them this year. I mean, Siege of the Tower, Ocon, Akon or Adepticon, I'm sorry, Blood of the Sun is hosting events. Buckeye Battles, they have over 100 signups. They literally, they have a waiting list now, which is amazing. The Strength in Numbers tournament will be there. And then obviously WCW Throwdown, we're, we're going to do a Ninth Age event as well. But there's so much going on. There's so much momentum for this game. Like I said, part of the, my favorite part of the hobby is just traveling to these GTs, hanging out after hours because I'm infamous for that part. And then, you know, just having a blast playing the game that brought us all together. Yeah, I know from my own perspective... I posted recently the event lineup that I was planning on having for Merry Mayhem this year, and the immediate blowback by several individuals that were looking for Ninth Age to be at Mayhem this year, um, especially with the way I'm scaling it with multiple game systems, has made me try to reach out to find somebody to not only TO or organize something Ninth Age orientated, but to try to figure out how I'm going to fit more tables into a venue that's already going to be pretty packed. That's a great problem to have uh, as a TO. So I'm, I'm happy that there's that much of a response back to get to get some Ninth Asia going. Yeah, so we're, we're definitely looking at it from that perspective, too. And it is very exciting. It, and I've enjoyed the games I've played. It's been very nostalgic for my part. 
So what do you see as kind of the biggest challenge right now in front of Ninth Age to making it successful, to making it something that continues to grow, that doesn't fall off the radar in a couple of years as us old veteran players maybe age out and continue to migrate to other games? Yeah, I think that the biggest challenge is getting the word out about the game. I mean, unlike Kings of War and Age of Sigmar, uh, Ninth Age doesn't have or needs you know shelf space at uh, Flex Gaming Stores. I mean, the rules, the army books, the magic cards, all that stuff is free on their website, theninthage.com. There are model companies like Shield Wolf Miniatures and Tabletop Miniature Solutions uh, that are currently back in Ninth Age, but these miniature lines um, are on, are only found online, so. Um, there's not like a lot of exposure or uh, free advertisement, I guess is the word I'm looking for, for Ninth Age. Sure, so, I, I've got to imagine that also poses, knowing, I know my local game store, and I imagine there's probably other game stores, but it's competing for table space now also with, you know, to play the game in store versus playing a game that they currently stock. What would you say maybe to... If I was a local game store or your game store owner about encouraging or how they can encourage Ninth Age play inside their store to help sell or move product. Well, like I mentioned before, Ninth Age is literally a grassroots project. So it, it really depends on the current players to recruit new blood through A, word of mouth, um, getting Ninth Age exposure by moving their games from their basements to actual gaming stores and just playing games there and uh, people stepping up and hosting one day Ninth Age events. One of the things that we have going for the Ninth Age community is that we're, we're trying to host a quote-unquote U.S. Masters style type event for the top gamers. And one of the ways that we tried to figure it out was to promote one-day GTs by allowing the point system. So like a, a 30 to 40 man GT is worth about 100 points. Well, if you run a one-day event with 10 guys, 10 or more guys, I mean, you get like 50 to 60 points. Uh, work towards your U.S. Master Qualifying. Basically, we're just trying to find as many ways as possible to promote one-game events. Um, you know, just uh, just get it out there. Okay, that's that's cool. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think for for all of us, you know, there was there was something special that was going on uh, during the Eighth Ed Warhammer Run. I think here, particularly in the Midwest, but. I think throughout the United States where you're seeing a large number of these warmer fantasy GTs with people traveling in with, you know, 80, 100, 90, 100 player counts, full weekend extravaganzas, you know, events like uh, Wapaka, Blood in the Sun, North Star. Yeah. You've mentioned a lot of them that there were these just kind of propped up all of a sudden, you know, I remember going to the first PACA and it was 40 people. And yeah. Tiny, tiny little deal. They had half the ale house. They didn't even have the whole ale house. And and having, you know, just hanging out with people and talking Warhammer and playing board games and making, it was just kind of this whole event weekend. And it became a thing. Like, I, I wasn't going to your two-day event if it wasn't an event weekend now because I needed, I didn't even, I wasn't going just to play yeah. Warhammer. That was, sure, that was what filled my daytime. But I wanted to, you know, I needed to have, Something that I could keep doing in the evening, keep playing games, uh, you know, in different games, so I could get that kind of mental relaxation from not having to think Warhammer. Yeah, no, I, some of those eighth, crazy guys. Eighth edition, uh, the very tail end of it. I, in the heart of it, the, that whole five year span was a magical time. I'm not gonna lie; like 
those GTs, and I never was part of, I mean, I've only been playing the hobby for like four years, but like, I, apparently back in the day, these one day events was, you know, reign supreme. And then what happened was these GTs, these two day GTs started popping up and, you know, that was the event for the month. And that's all you geared yourself for, uh, once a month, going away, traveling someplace, meeting and greeting people from all over, uh, guys from Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, all the Indiana. I mean, it was just like one big, huge traveling party. Yep. They're, the the events like Merry Mayhem are now the extreme rarity. It seems like in the in the Warhammer tournament circuit kind of thing that we had going on, right? Uh, where it was the this big one day event. There were there weren't those. There there they just stopped happening. Uh, and it was kind of sad to see that stop happening, but. I kind of clung to that with Mayhem and kept doing it. Plus, that time of year, it's really hard to get people to come to a two-day event. Absolutely. But, I mean, I feel like this is a revival now. I mean, It is. The thing about, with the death of Warhammer, I mean, you have this fraction community now. I mean, we, we've seen it at Adepticon. I mean, you had, I mean, for Adepticon, for example, like our singles tournament, uh, we had 30 guys, uh, which I thought was an extreme success because of the fact that we... We relate to the registration events, and when you do it in comparison to AOS Singles Championship, they had 40 guys, and then uh, Kings of War, their Clash of Kings, they had 35. So what used to be a couple years ago where you had 100 people playing you know, a Warhammer Fantasy Tournament at Adepticon, it has splintered off to three events now. So you're not going to have that. I mean... Buckeye Battles being 100 players, I think, is the exception to the rule. I think a tournament now that runs 30 to 50 guys is a success in any you know, form, whether it's AOS, Kings of War, or um, Ninth Age. Sure. So we kind of hinted at this a little bit. Uh, I know you've mentioned already that you've, you've ran a few events already for Ninth Age, including, it sounds like, Adepticon. Um, yeah. tell, tell, can you tell us a little bit about what you've done so far and, and what the success, maybe the success levels were on that? Obviously the attendance is probably down just a touch, um, from, from what you, what we had in eighth ed, but how, how are the, how's the overall feel in, in those events kind of go in comparison? Well, I mean, from a TO perspective, I mean, you just kind of temper your, uh, your expectations. I mean, I don't think you're. Like, even uh, Jeff Parkhus in uh, Buckeye Battles, I mean, he was expecting maybe 60 people for his event, and for him to get 100, I mean, it's just blown him away. Um, and again, I feel like it's just slowly building a community. When I went to Siege of the Tower, we had um, 30 guys. At uh, Ocon, we had 40. Uh, Adepticon, we came a little bit late to the party, but, you know, we were able to get 30 registered players to play four games in a single day, which I think is insanity in itself but god love them i mean they, they love the game that much that they were willing to play four games all the way until 10 o'clock at night um uh, you know at at blood of the sun here we uh we were by the end of this week we'll have 30 players registered for that event and we're still about a month out i mean i'm really hoping that maybe we can hit 40 I mean, as long as you temper your expectations of not having this grandeur, like, I want to host an 80-man GT, it's not going to happen this year because we're all rebuilding communities or building new ones. All of that sounds really great. I, I'm really, 
excited for the future of this game. Obviously, we here at Wisco Dice are excited about that, or we wouldn't be talking about it. And obviously, uh, me recently having played a couple of games has really kind of piqued my interest. And I've already signed up myself to play at uh, Blood in the Sun uh, in the Ninth Age event that's going to be there. Uh, so we'll continue talking about Ninth Age and continue promoting on uh, this show. So hopefully, yeah, everyone out there in the internet land uh, can it, that's interested in Ninth Age, uh, we'll keep tuning in because we're going to talk about Ninth Age on this show, and we're going to keep asking Fergus back if he'll have us uh, absolutely to help talk about Ninth Age and 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 focus a little more on the groundworks for what this game is. And what it's, uh, what the changes are, what the involvement is, and what you can do maybe to be have fun with this game and get your old Warhammer model collections out, those old square bases. Because let's face it, real men play with square bases, not those round ones, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 no ding the Age of Sigmar. I love that game too, or and, and or Infinity, or uh, which we will also be talking about on the show. Uh, and bolt action, of course, have been round basing that for a couple of years. Yeah. So, but well, uh, but like big massive battles, I mean, it's so much easier to rank and file those guys in square bases than they are on circles. So, yep, uh, that, it, there's there's definitely a place for giant mass battles. I can't. I I keep remembering back to almost a year ago now, playing and it was probably fifty five hundred points or more. Orcs and Goblins, you can go check out the game wow. on YouTube. We, we YouTubed it. We live shot the games. People were tuning in to our live hangout uh, throughout the day and, and watching us game and actually interacting with us because they could talk to us uh, through the speakers and, and microphones that we had set up. And we played this huge game, and that was the most fun Warhammer game. I had over 300 models of Orcs and Goblins on the table. To, on the table. Dude, it was that epic. I would love to see that. I would actually have to look that up. Yep, it's uh, it's on our YouTube channel, so you can click uh, the YouTube link on uh, on the Wisco Dice website, and you can uh, catch all of our videos actually there. Sweet. Surprisingly, there's actually content on that website on our website. YouTube videos, <laughs> not so many of them, but we have them too. But anyways. It's really good to talk Ninth Age. It's really good to, to get uh, f- some fresh perspectives on this old game and have another reason to bring out those models um, that we, we had or we've collected. Or if you deciding to work a new army, uh, there are a lot of people that are out there that are selling off large chunks of collections for low prices. You know, yeah. uh, you, know you shop your Ebays. Uh, in various places like that, you can pick up an army for uh, not a lot of not a lot of money, surprisingly anymore, and certainly not compared to the way you, you, you used to have to pay for mod, uh, models and be able to play this great game and be able to not have to scratch your head and go, how am I getting my buddy involved? You just go on eBay. Heck, I I just closed out a number of uh, auctions myself, or I just sold uh, of stuff that I'm clearing out. Um, by all means, it doesn't mean I'm getting out of square basing at all, but it means that I just have heaps and gobs of too much stuff. Right, no, <laughs> I, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I've only been four years in the hobby, and like I have demons, I got high elves, I have lizardmen, I have, I just picked up tomb kings. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can easily see somebody that's played 15 plus years almost owning every single army that was ever made. I have, I think I'm short three. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive. 
But like the like again, the night the, this is a great time to actually get into table gaming because you hit it right on the head. It is such a great time, bargain prices to get in, buy models that people are just getting rid of just to get rid of. And it's so easy for a former Warhammer player to pick up Ninth Age and just like teach somebody. I mean, it's just I, I love the game. It is so. And if you go through the BRB book, if you're a first time gamer, I'm teaching my 12 year old son um, how to play the game, and he picked up an ogre army. There you go. That's a new army as well. And like we just got done playing a uh, 11 game or 11 man primer uh, this past weekend, and he finished seven. Never played the game. Ogres is pretty easy because you kind of push forward, uh, just smash mouth, you know. So and he did it extremely well. Um, he was actually extremely excited because like he was in the running for fifty bucks. <laughs> He's like fifty bucks, and I'm like, yeah, that would almost buy you a video game these days. But yeah, I mean, oh. it's, just... <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a great time. I mean, we had pizza that night. I mean, we were shooting the shit. I mean, it's just such a relaxing atmosphere nowadays. So, yeah, I, I hope more people can become interested in Ninth Age after listening to this. Uh, hopefully, maybe me and you, Cozy, will go over some of the, the each army book, break them down, maybe talk a little bit on each one, kind yep. of give you some more content to your listeners about Ninth Age. Yep, uh, I'd like to do all of that kind of stuff and, and moving forward with uh, talking about what we're going to talk about on Ninth Age. Uh, so, for those of you guys that are out there, that have piqued your interest about this game, you can go to www.the-9th-age.com. It's all spelled out, T-H-E-9th-age.com. All the rules are there. There's a forum there. They've got miniatures that you can go look at. All sorts of content, all the rules. All of the rule books are now into a full version 1.0, I think, phase now. Yeah. Um, both slim rules and whatever. So it's now uh, in a state that is not changing too dramatically. No. Um, but they have very good revision control. You can always go to the website to grab a new copy of the rules. I especially like it because they're all in PD- searchable PDFs. So I can put them on my iPad, throw them in iBooks. I can search them as I'm playing the game to find rules. So much easier than carting around that big hardcover rule book and of course i had that old collector's edition eighth ed rule book which oh, was wow. extra yeah. weight um by by the end of a two-day tournament my back was broken because i had to lug that thing around <laughs> yeah. or trying to go from table to table no it's so much more convenient to have that on my ipad i can have that i can have uh, my army book and then and really make it much far more functional it's so good even even if it's even if you're just looking at it from the outside i highly recommend you get out there take a look at it Check out the content, see what they're doing, uh, and if you if you like what they're doing or you dislike what you're doing, you can get on the forums and you can put in some feedback. Uh, just you know, if you're not interested at all, you know, move on. We'll talk about other stuff on the show too. We've got we've got lots of bolt action. I'm going to talk about Infinity coming up and lots of other games. So keep sticking around. Thanks, thanks Fergus for jumping on. Would love would love having you, and we're looking forward to having you come on again uh, sometime soon. Definitely. Thank you for having me on, Cozy, and best of luck to everybody. Ninth Age for the win. All right, after the break, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show and take any uh, last-minute thoughts. Okay, and we are back. 
Okay, so that, that was, uh, I think, a great overview of Ninth Age, uh, and I really enjoyed sitting down talking to Fergus about it, and we really kind of approached it with a, a lot of great questions and ideas on what you can do to get Ninth Age going in your area. So with that being said, I'd like to, we kind of talked about, and Fergus actually and, and I kind of introduced in that segment that we're planning on doing more Ninth Age episodes um, that are dedicated to Ninth Age, where it'll be Fergus and me kind of hosting and running those shows. So expect a lot more content on Ninth Age coming to this podcast and to your uh, RSS feed sometime soon. Um, with that being said, we're also going to divert a little bit and do some... Uh, additional content, I think, towards Infinity, um, because that's something I've been digging a lot. And uh, we're going to do a little additional content towards Bolt Action, because that's something Brian and I dig a lot. Uh, now, from the... Inf yeah, so I think there's a lot of cool directions that we're going to have to kind of shape the show. Uh, hopefully you guys are excited. I know I am. Um... Brian, I know you've been doing a lot of X-Wing lately, and we've been talking about that on the show. Yeah, that's probably the thing I've been getting the most games in lately, and pretty excited being a new game for me. I guess I'm kind of hooked on it for the most part. <laughs> so, I don't know I don't know what what you'll have time for, but I'd, I'd love to hear more about X-Wing on this podcast, too. So, Yeah, maybe. we can maybe do that. I guess it doesn't change too often there. Finally, another wave of ships coming out pretty soon. I primarily only play with my one buddy right now, too, but um, I think some guys were playing at Pegasus on Monday night, so if I start making it up range of Sigmar, like maybe if I'm the odd man out, I can catch a game with the X-Wing folks there. Maybe I'll hear about some other tournaments or maybe be able to line up some other games with those guys or something and play a little more. Get some more interest, interesting things going on. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I think this is this is exactly kind of where we talked about the show being is just kind of us talking about and playing the games we talk about, and where you know if it's not something me or you are you know directly interested in, that we be able to go ahead and and start you know doing more content and not needing everybody you know I trying to do if you know if it's something I'm interested in or I'm doing a lot and I can get a, get a hold of a subject subject matter expert that uh, you're you're uh, able to sit aside and, and sit down and not have to be apart and and hopefully we can you know in the same part of when when you're uh, not when I when you're doing something like maybe the X-wing stuff or something moving forward maybe we'll even get a uh, segment or an episode out of that. Uh, where you can wrangle up a buddy or something and, and talk talk about that with them. So um, it's an exciting time for this show. You're going to see a lot of cool war games come to the feed anyways. I think that's the 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 big moral of the story. And we're going to get uh, probably some more content coming out, more episodes, um, because we're going to diversify and, and bring in some additional voices to be able to talk about different game systems and go into um, some depth of of what those games mean and, and how the gameplay is there. Sure. So Brian, is there, is there anything else that you're kind of excited to uh, bring up here before uh, we wrap up the show? Um, I don't know. 
hopefully summer will be very fruitful for gaming myself. I'm hopeful for that, so <laughs> I think I'll do to my power to make it happen. So kind of slow getting back into the swing of things, but hopefully I'll kick some stuff up. Like uh, hope to make it out to AOS coming some Mondays if uh, we can get some more guys out there. And I want to chime in on our uh, bolt action of uh, Southern Wisconsin or whatever it's called and see if maybe we can start getting some catching those guys for some weeknight games. That'd be pretty cool. And then still playing some more X-Wing. My buddy's free pretty often, so we almost play like once a week, but he has some busy weekends coming up, so I don't know how much that'll hold out. And I guess I'm also messing with these Menoth guys, so we'll see if I kind of pick up on whatever's happened with Mark III, a war machine. That could be interesting, too. So, And I for sure want to get some more bolt action going. Like If nothing else, hopefully we can catch a game soon kind of itching to get those guys on the table, but I don't really have anything lined up for that right now, unfortunately. Yeah, I haven't played a game of bolt action. I think we played a game after Nationals, right? After Adepticon? Yeah, we had recorded that one day, and then we played a game also, and I think that was the last time I played bolt action as well. I honestly think that's the last time I played bolt action. I think my, my army is still sitting down in the basement, next to the table from the last time we played. I think the table's still set yeah. up from that game and everything. So, yeah, definitely need to get some bolt action. Of course, I'm going to get some bolt action this weekend, uh, Sunday, at uh, Black Dog Hobby and Games for that Combat Patrol, which is 600 points and some little weird list-building restrictions, like no flamethrowers, no tank, no vehicles over Armor 8, a couple other things. It basically copied the Adepticon rule set. Um... For Combat Patrol, which is, I don't know if I like it all, but yeah, I, I'm going to push around bolt action models. I think it, I think it, I think it's going to force uh, a certain list build if you want to be really good, uh, particularly with like my Soviets, which I don't have anything other than an Armor Nine vehicle painted up. I don't have, I don't have anything other than just piles and piles of Soviet infantry to put on the table at 600 points. So I'm going to just fill up 600 points with giant blocks of infantry. Sounds like a good plan. I wish I could make it to that, but been roped into other plans this weekend. Otherwise, I'd probably totally go with you. It's all right. I think, bolt action I think there's a, another bolt action event in the Chicagoland area, which is... I. Do you know the details Robert on that one? Good. I don't know a lot. I can't. I'm trying to remember what it was called, but it was in the Chicago area. I think it was. Was it coming up in June? I think I it really is. Remember, Robert. Talk to me about that. See if I was going. Um, I think it's like a thousand point game, like one platoon. And it's um, early war. Whatever platoon, but um, like it's a historical thing. Is at least what Robert was talking to me about, uh, like an early war. Um, thing, so you can't even play Americans in it at all, so I'm kind of like, well, that kind of skews my interest if I can't even play my own army. He kind of threw up I mean, one of his, but that kind of takes away some of the shiny for me, so I'll probably be out for that, but I don't know. It could change. He asked me last week when I was really focused on trying to finish up my final project for school, so I couldn't really think about much else, but... It kind of sucks to miss out on a bolt action event, but it's not my fault. They're kind of restricted with the historical aspect of it. And I'm definitely into bolt action more for the gameplay than the 
historical part of it, so I feel like that already kind of puts me out of place at an event like that. Yeah, totally. Um, I can't find the details right now. I believe it's the weekend for Blood in the Sun, um, but I don't. I don't have the details here in front of me. Um, yeah, it is an early war event, which for me with the Soviets doesn't really matter. My Soviets are easily early war themed. My Germans really not quite so much right now, but my Soviets would be because they're all pretty much rifles and infantry. Yeah, it's uh, June is a real tough month for me, so I won't be able. I will unfortunately not be able to make that event. But if you are in the Chicagoland area or you're looking for bolt action, I think they still had a few spots on each side that they were looking to fill up. So go ahead and, and take a look at that and and go ahead and get yourself signed up for a, a great event. Um, and that's uh, uh, going to be run by some great people I, I've met through uh, Adepticon this year. And and I would love to be there, but I'm, I'm, said, I'm tied up as well. Uh, so everybody can breathe a, a sigh of relief because I guess I won't be there, but I don't know how to lose with my Soviets, I guess, in competitive play. Yeah, only because we haven't played each other in competitive play. Or I haven't played Brian Ward either of uh, the Northern Front podcast because I can't seem to... I can draw against him, I just can't seem to beat him. Yeah, you draw against me most of the time anyway. I can never quite seal the deal. Yeah, you got me the last time, though. Yeah, that was some luck involved, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was It was a tough game. Uh there's always a little luck in, in any table in any war game though, so if, if you end up winning. Uh, so all right, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a show. So make sure you guys, uh, if you have any feedback or stuff, you send us an email at hosts at wiscodice.com. If uh, you're interested, you can check us out on your, our social media as well and hit us up. So you can find us on Twitter. Uh, at Wisco Dice, you can find us on Facebook, um, both our w- w- Wisco Dice Facebook page, which you can just like and follow us. You'll get like when we update uh, podcasts and stuff like that, and put shows out by following that page. Or you can find our group and ask to join the Wisco Dice group. Brian and I kind of do check out your profile, your public profile, and make sure that you have something quasi gaming related. Um, there, so we try to filter out spammers, and Brian and I do have real lives, so it's, you know, if you don't get accepted right that second, you know, please be patient with us, we'll get you within a couple of days of, of, uh, requesting to access, join our group, you can join our Wisco Dice Closed group and join the conversations there, I try to, uh, I, I think I try to, and I think Brian does as well, when we're doing hobby projects, we put up our posts of stuff, and we'd love to see your stuff too, so feel free to share. Or if you have questions about any of the games we're playing or into, uh, let us know. Um, you can also catch us on Google+. Plus. Uh, we have uh, our Google Plus account. It's, uh, uh, I think it's, I don't know. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but you can link to it off our website at wiscodice.com. Brian, what was that website? It was wiscodice.com, I believe. I believe it was wiscodice.com. So... Uh, you can always go check out that. Uh, Brian, I think, has got a, a cool new blog post in, in mind for it to talk about bolt action in his American Army. I'll be putting up some posts about Infinity. 
Uh, I'll probably put up a post about this weekend's combat patrol. I've got all sorts of other stuff to put up content about. Um, so there's always posts and stuff like that that don't always make up make it to the show, or maybe we talk about in more detail on the website. So make sure you check it out. Yeah, I think I was definitely going to throw up a, a write-up on my Poe Dameron repaint that I did. Um, people can buy one soon, but uh, you can definitely improve the quality if you're any kind of a miniature painter. They're actually pretty... It was a real fun change to paint, honestly. And you can bring up the quality a little more than the out-of-the-box fantasy plate stuff. And you can throw whatever kind of paint job you want on your guys at that point. Very cool. So, yeah, lots of content coming up to the to the website, it sounds like, soon. Of course, uh, Brian's post count always goes up this time of year because he's actually got time to sit down and write some articles instead of doing homework. And do the hobby that spurs the articles. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps. All right. Hey, thanks for luck. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, it's all about finding that time. All right. Yep. Thanks a lot, folks, for listening. See you next time. Peace out.